right on the front page of WRN.org or WRRadio.com. Tomorrow night, we got some high school football for you. We'll have Mountain Valley at Spruce Mountain on 100.7 The Mighty Ox. Ryan Palmer will have the call for you there. And we'll have uh, Wyndham at Scarborough on Maine's Big Z 92.7. And we'll have uh, radio and video 105.5 AM 1240 as Sanford battles Edward Little. And Saturday, we'll have Bangor at Oxford Hills, the video stream on 96.9 and AM 1450. Wings got EL and Oxford Hills for you. He'll be on the call for both of those. Right now, Michael Hoffer from The Forecaster joins us. And, of course, Michael was at the game on Saturday between Chevris and Lewiston that Coach Wing was at that we discussed a little bit on Monday. Good morning, Mr. Hoffer. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm well. How are you? Doing all right. Doing all right. What uh, I know it's been a long time. You've had quite a few games since then. But uh, going back to last Saturday with Lewiston and Chevris, that seems like a game that uh, could have gone the other way. Yeah, and it, I mean, it came down to the last play, and I think if you're Lewiston, you're probably kicking yourself, feeling like you should have won that game, because they, uh, they lost a sure touchdown in the first half when the receiver, after a great play, I mean, everyone talks about him dropping the ball before he went in the end zone, but he did make a great play before uh, running up the sideline, and just uh, for some crazy reason, the ball came out a yard short. Shepard's recovered in the end zone, and the game went to a halftime scoreless instead of Lewiston being in the lead. And it was just, you know, when you, when you have a mistake like that, it almost always comes back to haunt you. Uh, but still, Lewiston drove, I think, from their 12 to the Chevrolet 7 in about 30 seconds, right at the end of regulation. Had time for one more play and uh, just got batted down in the end zone. So I know that uh, the Lewiston coach was very happy with the effort. I think in past years, if things had not started well at Chevrolet, they would have lost by a lot. Uh, this time they lost by a little. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was very competitive. I wouldn't say it was a great game necessarily, but it certainly uh, came down to the last play, and it's just kind of indicative of these teams that maybe aren't at the top level. Uh, you know, when they play each other, uh, these games really can go either way. Any uh, any surprises out of that uh, that that Portland-Bonnie Eagle game? I was really surprised by that. I, I thought that was, was going to be a little more toe-to-toe, but that one seemed like it had some, some tipping points, and it, they just all favored Bonnie Eagle. Yeah, I think that's the case. You know, everything everything I hear, everyone I talk to, sounds like Portland completely dominated the first half, yet it was tied at halftime. And, you know, they didn't take advantage. They shot themselves in the foot a few times. They had penalty issues. Uh, and then finally, Bonnie Eagle broke it open in the fourth quarter. But I don't think it was anywhere near as lopsided as that 24-7 score would indicate. And uh, I think, you know, Portland feels like they can play with Bonnie Eagle, which means that they feel like they could probably play with anybody. And I still think they're the team to beat in Class A North, especially when you look at what happened at Oxford Hills down at Sanford. You know, it's a good learning experience for Portland. I don't think their goal is to go 8-0 this year. Their goal is to be playing on that final Saturday on their home field and to have a legitimate shot at winning that game. And I still think they're heading in that direction. So, you know, they'll learn from this. And, you know, presuming they stay healthy, I think they're going to be right there all along. Talking with Michael Hoffer from The Forecaster, theforecaster.net. Follow him on Twitter, F-O-R-E Sports. Yeah, I was uh, the the Oxford Hills thing. I just I wanted to be surprised, but uh-huh. as soon as it got off to a slow start, and Oxford in in Sanford kind of they got they got on the board early. I'm like, oh, here we go. And Xavier Levine went 12 for 16. He was getting knocked around all over the place. If you get a chance to watch Sanford this year against someone, he's a really good one to watch. He's a uh, he's a unique quarterback. Play well, some I mean, really good stuff for them. Yeah, you know the word in the preseason is that they were going to be much improved. And, you know, maybe this gets them off in the right direction. But I know everyone down here is taking Stanford seriously. So I don't think they're going to sneak up on anybody. And, you know, even the, the top-tier teams know that, you know, they're a tough, a tough opponent. But, yeah, it's funny. I mean, you knew 
I remember talking to you, you know, the week before Oxford Hills went down to Stanford, and you made the point very astutely that that was going to be a tough fight. You'd be curious to see how they responded, and and it wasn't a, it wasn't a good response, I guess. Yeah, it's it's one of those. I think they'll be able to learn from it. I mean, it, lucky for them, they've got Bangor coming in this week, and Bangor's won a little bit, so they're a little bit more fired up and probably a little more motivated than they normally would be for mm-hmm. a trip to Oxford Hills. But it's also going to be homecoming, so you know you'd like to see you know if you're an Oxford Hills fan or, or you pay attention at all, you probably want to see Oxford Hills drop a drop a fifty burger on, right. on Bangor just to just to get that that bad taste out of your mouth and then and then kind of move forward because. You, know, you still got three more weeks in, until the uh, until the Portland matchup. So uh, there's uh, time to grow for this Oxford Hills team, and it, it still seems to me like Oxford Hills in Portland. But I also could see Edward Little uh, sneaking back in there, um, just based on on growth curves and everything else. So uh, Northern A is wide open as it's ever been. Yeah, I agree, and I still you know, and I've been saying this since preseason. I still think Shevers is a factor, and they're a team that I wouldn't want to play, and they're a team I wouldn't want to overlook, and. You know, a lot of their problems this year have really been self-induced turnovers, penalties. Uh, you know, this isn't a vintage Chevrolet team by any means, but they're still pretty solid in the trenches. They've got some good skill position players. You've got a guy named John Wolfram on the sidelines coaching the defense, and, you know, he's a big presence in every game. Um, so, you know, the 37-7 loss to Portland was nowhere near as bad as that score indicated, at least, you know, competitively it wasn't anywhere near that lopsided. I still think at the end of the year they're going to be a team that you know can get to the semis. If it's the right matchup, they could even knock somebody off and spring an upset. So I wouldn't completely rate them off either. Talking to Michael Hoff from the Forecaster, theforecaster.net. Yeah, I thought in that game, Michael, on Saturday, Lewiston's run defense has been pretty pretty solid, and and Chevrolet's moved the ball on the ground. Yeah, especially uh, in the second half, they you know, they, they they were able to uh, you know open it up and get some. I think all three of their touchdowns were pretty long runs. So you're right. I mean, that was certainly a cause for concern. But I think in the first half, they did a good job bottling them up. You know, Shepard's had a short field once or twice. You know, they did a good job holding there. Um, but, yeah, so after halftime, you know, talking to the, the Shepard's coaches after the game, they, they felt like they saw something that they could exploit. They didn't go into any detail on that. But, you know, obviously they were right, and they were able to figure some things out and, and spring some big runs there. Yeah, we saw a little bit of wrinkle to their wing tee with a double wing. We haven't seen that a lot from Chevrolet of late, and um, I thought that that was a wrinkle with Tompkins running the ball on the buck sweep. It was pretty right. effective. Yeah, and he, you know, he's one of the fastest kids in the state, so if you can get him in space, it's, it's certainly good for them. Talking with Michael Hoffer from The Forecaster and TheForecaster.net. You know, I was... When did Gorham become the soccer kingdom of the world? Uh, they're ranked number one in boys in the in the latest varsity main poll, and right. girls number two. What what happened? When did Gorham become uh, Brazil? Like, what's well, going on here? Is Pele there? What's going on? Yeah, well, once the uh, the Gorham players start changing their names, to, you know, one word names, then we know. But, yeah, I, I guess Gorham's the new Scarborough or the new Yarmouth or what do you know? As far as you know, powerhouse soccer towns right now, it, it's good to be a Ram, no question about it. And, you know, in a year where there is a fair amount of parity, you know, both the Gorham boys and girls have been able to navigate some very tough schedules and, and stay on top. But we're only halfway through, and we haven't heard the last of uh, anything when it comes to soccer uh, down here as far as who the top teams are. And, yeah, I think it could very well be Gorham, but at the same time, you know, you look on the girls' side, you got Scarborough, you got Chevrolet, you got plenty of other Wyndham's going to be a tough team. On the boys' side, I think there's even more challengers to Gorham including Fallon, Scarborough, Portland, Chevrolet, 
And Ken have been off to a good start this year. Wyndham's a team no one's talking about, but they're having a good season. So it's going to be a fun end of the regular season and postseason because I can't remember many years where it, there were this many legitimate contenders. And maybe Class B is a little different. The, the Cape girls look terrific, and the Armit boys are still the team to beat, although they're not maybe not as unbeatable as they've been the last couple of years. So. I think especially in Class A, however, it's going to be fun to watch and see some teams knock each other off. Talking with Michael Hoffer from The Forecaster and theforecaster.net. I know you've got some field hockey action that, that you've seen recently. Yeah. What, are, what are we looking at there after, after you know, week, well, week four now? Yeah, well, I think the best team down in A-South is Biddeford, and that's, they, they were projected to be coming into the season. I got to see them play Shervis last week, and they actually moved the game over to 50, so they played it on turf, and you watch that team run up and down the field and the way they pass and move the ball. Very impressive, uh, you know, but I don't think Westbrook and Scarborough are too far behind. Uh, there's you know, some decent teams there. Uh, maybe the big story right now in Class B South is Freeport. They just beat St. Dom's on uh, Tuesday, first time they beat St. Dom's in 11 years, and last year they lost up at St. Dom's 9 nothing. so just an incredible turnaround. It was a great yeah. game. It's a huge story, a huge win for them, and Freeport's down at York today, so it doesn't get any easier. If they can find a way to win down there, I mean, they have a legitimate shot to uh, to win Class B South. So, uh, you know, a lot of good teams down here too, and you know, I'm lucky that you know during the week I get to see a lot of soccer, field hockey, and volleyball in addition to football on the weekends, and you know, there's no shortage of excellent games. Of course, York has a new coach in field hockey, Correct. so that that'll make some difference. Uh, she was yeah. legendary. Right, and and, and 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 you're right, and I think just her being on the sidelines, you know, gave them the edge in so many games, and you know, you see that with great coaches. Um, and York's still good. Don't get me wrong; it wouldn't surprise me at all if they find a way to get back to the state game once again. But it, it's no sure thing, like it was for many of the past, I don't know, 15 years. Is Freeport field hockey playing on the turf field? They are, and uh, that's another nice thing for them. They're right there on the turf. Uh, beautiful new complex. If you get to you know come to a game in Freeport, I think you know it, it's great for fans. It's great for players. It's great for the community because they were they were trying to get that for many many years. Uh, had a few elections not go their way, and then finally mm-hmm. they were able to get the funding to do it. And it's really a beautiful facility. And it's not just the field; it's the track as well. I mean, it's named after Joan Bonnet Samuelson, and uh, really a first class facility. I haven't heard a team that put in a turf field complain afterwards very much. No, no, you know, sometimes there's issues with drainage or the turf itself, but as far as, yeah, I mean, I think everyone wants to play on it, and I think, you know, the schools that don't have it around here, because there's so many turf fields, are kind of at a disadvantage. Because uh, it, not only is it a nice playing surface, but the teams that have it, they can get on it in the spring, you can get on it right away, while other teams are practicing in the gymnasium. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of benefits to it. And I realize it's not it's, it's not cheap, so it's not like every community can just go out and you know throw the money down and get it. But you know the ones that are able to, and I hear there's there's more in the works. Uh, you know, certainly it's nice to have. The field hockey is a different game on turf. Oh, totally. There's no it's, question about it. Yeah, it's it's a great sport to watch on turf. The ball moves so quickly. You get the true hops, and you know if you're athletic and fast, you can run up and down the field. And that's you know a couple of those games that I just described. That's what those were. We're just back and forth and just great action. And I think the sport is much, much better on turf. Talking with Michael Hoffer from the forecast, theforecaster.net. All right. You got to get your Patriots prediction. They got a big game in Detroit this weekend against an yeah. old friend, uh, Beardy Matri- uh, Matt Patricia. 
Yeah, well, you know, last week was kind of what I feared it would be. I didn't think they would give up 31 points. I really, I, I thought they would probably lose that game. Um, no reason not to win in Detroit. I don't think it's going to be as easy as some people think, just because I think Matthew Stafford and company are going to put up some points on this questionable Patriots defense. But, you know, hopefully, uh, I don't I don't know who the offensive hero will be for the Pats, but someone's going to step up. I don't know if it'll be Patterson or Josh Gordon or... Sony Michelle, I mean, name your. I don't know. It's it's gonna. It's kind of a weird, bizarre world right now for Pat fans when, you know, we just don't know who's gonna be week after week. But I think they'll find a way to win it. I think it'll be a high-scoring game, maybe something in the uh, 34-27 range. But I, I think the Pats find a way to win this. And honestly, there's no excuse for them to be anything other but four and one heading into that Kansas City game in the middle of October. And if they are anything less than that, I, I'll, then I'll really be concerned. Mike, I have a question about, uh, you know, I love uh, Brady, Belichick, and company. Uh-huh. Is it almost time for us to say, so if Belichick's such a great defensive genius, and he certainly is involved in who we pick each each draft, or who we pick up as free agents, you know, we've been saying this for a while, that the defense has been suspect since yeah. who knows when, a long time. Oh, decades, At what probably. point are we going to be good defensively? I just don't understand. No, I don't either, and, and I really thought maybe with the change in regime here, uh, with Brian Flores taking over and maybe Belichick having more to do with the defense, that you know, and that first week was encouraging, but then you look at what happened last week, it's the same old thing, no pressure on the quarterback, receivers running free, you know, guys catching the ball and having no one 10 yards around them. I don't get it, and right, I mean, Belichick is a, a defensive genius. You know, his game plan for Super Bowl 25 is in the Hall of Fame. Um, so, you know, he certainly has that reputation, but I, I don't get why year after year it's the same old story, and it's so frustrating as a fan. Yeah. And, you know, and they got one defensive stop last February. They're, they're you know, winning three or four Super Bowls. So, um, I don't know. I, I hope that it would get better, and maybe it will as time goes on, but I just, I don't, I don't get it. It's beyond my pay grade, but it, it, should, be better <laughs> than it. it should be better. Yes. Michael Hoffer from The Forecaster joins us each and every Thursday. You can find him at theforecaster.net. You can follow him on Twitter. Look for Four Sports. Where are folks going to see you this weekend, my friend? Well, I will have the falmouth Biddeford game tomorrow night, which is actually a pretty interesting contest. Yes. Yeah. You know, everyone's talking about Kennebunk and Marshwood, and for good reason, and be south. But, you know, Falmouth's doing it again, uh, even though they graduated their great quarterback, Jack Bryant. Uh, here they are 2-1. and one. They could be 3-0. and oh. They only lost by two points to Brunswick in the opener. And, you know, that's... That program just keeps reloading. It's very impressive. And then Biddeford's right there as well. So I guess, you know, at this point of the season, it's a battle for who's the number three team in that region. And I think, you know, one or both of those teams are going to be very difficult for Marshwood and Kennebunk to get through come playoff time. So I'm looking forward to getting my first look at Falmouth. And then I'll, uh, I'll have a field hockey game on Saturday morning. I've got uh, Freeport Yarmouth. So kind of a quiet weekend, actually, all things considered. Not really? Not many games. Not as many games as normal. That means I'll just catch some uh, some more college football. You might you might get a nap in there the way that oh, weekend's going. Na- anytime I can get a nap in, uh, I guarantee it's I a good weekend, it. right? <laughs> that's, that's a top priority for me always. <laughs> Michael Offer from the Forecaster. Catch him on Twitter f o r e sports and read him online at theforecaster.net. Michael, talk to you next week. Thank you very much, uh, my friend. Take care, Michael. Thank you. That is Michael Hoffer from The Forecaster and theforecaster.net here on the B List from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios across the NBR Radio Network.